Chapter Three of From Slave Cabin to Pulpit by Peter Randolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three Boston. I came to Boston on the fifteenth of September, eighteen forty seven, in company with sixty six men, women, and children who were emancipated by the will of Carter H. Edlow, the owner of a large farm in Prince George County, Virginia, known as the Brandon Plantation, as my readers will see from the copy of the will in order to gain the freedom given us by the provision of the will it was necessary that we should leave the south and seek a new home in the north consequently on the fifth of september we left our homes embarked on the ship known as the thomas h thompson in charge of captain wixon and arrived in boston as stated above it was soon noised abroad through the city that a cargo of emancipated slaves had landed at long wharf a large number of citizens came to the wharf to see the strangers and to congratulate them on their new birth to freedom prominent among these were william lloyd garrison john a andrew wendell phillips and samuel may these noble and patriotic men who lived in the trying times of the country's history have all passed away from the active scenes of life and there are but few left who lived in their times to tell the story of their deeds need i say we were made welcome to our new home when we met such distinguished visitors the kindness and charity shown were more than we expected permit me to say here that john a andrew who was afterward elected governor of massachusetts was one of my warmest personal friends and remained so until his death as i became acquainted with him he seemed to take great delight in talking with me relative to my former condition and that of my companions he was anxious to hear the story of my religious conversion and how i learned to read and write he became so familiar with my spiritual convictions and views of faith that in his last lecture delivered in music hall boston while alluding to the subject of faith he made the remark that my definition of faith was one of the best he had ever heard many friends who heard the lecture afterwards spoke to me concerning my definition of faith as i had related it to governor andrew i speak of this simply to show the noble spirit of the man toward the unfortunate i born an ignorant slave he an educated lawyer yet he did not disdain to talk with me on the great subject of religion after we had been visited by the distinguished friends that i have mentioned we left the vessel and the wharf and found ourselves promenading up the free streets of boston you may imagine our curiosity and elation as we were introduced and looked upon the new scenes that were about us truly we were in a new world think of threescore and more souls blind as bats so far as the letter is concerned for i was the only one who could read or write coming fresh and directly from a southern plantation empty-handed and ignorant of their environments and you will have some idea of myself and company as we made our advent in boston i will state here if i have not elsewhere that on leaving virginia the lawyer william joins who was interested in us gave us a letter of introduction to william lloyd garrison the true friend of the poor slave on leaving the vessel some of us went to the office of mr garrison which at that time was located at twenty one cornhill boston here we met other strong anti-slavery friends whose glad welcome and warm grasp of the hand i imagine i can feel it now convinced us beyond a doubt that we were among our friends 
mr garrison and rev samuel may with others of the anti-slavery party were active in securing situations for us about half of our number without much loss of time found places out of the city and the remainder in and about the city thus distributed we had to work out our own destiny with all the disabilities that the peculiar institution had entailed upon us now we had to prove to the world whether or not the oft-repeated assertion was true that the slave if emancipated could not take care of himself of course in our struggles many of us felt sorely the need of an education in the midst of the new surroundings many of the old ones passed away from earth without realizing this coveted possession though they were destitute of a practical education yet they were not ignorant of a personal knowledge of christ permit me to return again and speak more definitively concerning myself as i have already intimated i repeat by saying that the little education i possessed gave me some advantages that were out of the reach of my companions knowing how to read and write was of no little value to me for it made me more in demand and assisted me in discharging more effectually the duties i had to perform by those who employed me my chief difficulty was not in getting much work but in getting much pay i had much work but little pay i received a dollar and a half per week with board until i was employed at the fair given by the members of the anti-slavery society in december eighteen forty seven at this fair i had the opportunity of meeting a number of noble-hearted men and women who stood ready to help me in various ways also i listened attentively to the lectures and discussions given under the auspices of this society the language and words used by some in describing and denouncing the slave power were strong and uncompromising yet the words were inadequate and too weak to express the barbarity and cruelty to which my brethren in the south were exposed as i listened and conversed with these earnest men i was impressed also with the idea that they were not familiar with all the relations that existed between the master and slave though they were well posted on the subject another thing impressed me relative to these debates and that was that there were honest men in boston and some of them my friends who were in favor of slavery they seemed to argue from a property point of view they said that the slaves were the property of the owners and that the masters as a matter of fact would not destroy that which they regarded as their legitimate property at a glance this would seem to be a plausible argument but one familiar with the system as i am could not take that view i saw at once what was the difficulty the thing needed was more definite knowledge in regard to the masters and their slaves this i felt i could supply from my experience in the south as a slave accordingly i was prevailed upon to write and publish the little work entitled the sketch of a slave life or an illustration of the peculiar institution in this work i tried to set forth as best i could in plain and simple language the true relation that existed between the slave and his owner especially did i emphasize the point which seemed to trouble many of my pro-slavery friends i endeavored to show that much of the cruel treatment inflicted on the slaves did not come directly from the masters but from the slave drivers or overseers who for the time being had unlimited control 
no one will doubt that some of the masters were inclined to be humane and have compassion on their slaves if not from the promptings of humanity certainly from the property considerations but even if the master was kind the overseers whom the law protected and from whom there was no appeal on the part of the slave could maltreat and abuse with impunity the laws that governed and controlled the inhuman institution were wrong and were the result of a depraved human nature the time will come when the great judge of the earth will judge between the oppressed and the oppressor End of chapter three